Welcome, my brothers and sisters. Excited to dive in today's show with you. I'm going to talk about coaching, life coaching specifically. Isn't that kind of like counseling or spiritual direction light? We're also going to dive into uh, Pride Month and why you didn't see gay pride flags flying on my show and never will or at the Augustine Institute. Uh, and it's not because we're hateful and bigoted. <laughs> and also, can you be single if you're called to marriage and happy at the same time? All this and more on today's Chris Stefanik Show. Thanks for being with us. All right, before we dive into coaching and thriving as a single, let's dive into pride. Why are there no pride flags on my show? Or for that matter, any show that you see at the Augustine Institute or on Forum, is it because my whole staff and me and the, the, the crew here all hates gay people and we're bigoted and mean and cruel? No, no, not at all. Uh, listen, I've had many people who identify as LGBT, yes, all of the letters and more, show up at my events. You know, this is something I do on the side of the show. The main thing I do, I travel around the country and I preach. I preach the gospel. And a big part of my speaking events happens before I get there, where I train outreach teams to invite their entire community back to church. So as a result, lots of people come who aren't devout Catholics, or people who are Catholics who, who are on this large spectrum of, of sexual attraction or confusion about their sexual identity, and they come to my events and they feel welcomed and loved. Guess why? Is it because I'm tricking them? No, it's because they actually are welcomed and loved. <laughs> There's nobody at the door saying, you know, who are you attracted to? Uh, how do you identify with your gender? Or even, what religion are you? No, everybody is welcome in and they're loved. In fact, someone came to my event recently. It was a young adult woman who had the, who had the pride flag spray painted on her head. Um, they're welcome and they're given the same message that everybody else is given. That our identity is primarily found in Jesus Christ. That's where our identity is found. And if you think it's found in your sexual attraction, I don't, I'm not, I don't even focus on calling out why that's wrong. I focus on the identity that's infinitely better. That it's in the Father's love for you. And if you think your identity is found in the amount of zeros in your bank account, which a lot of people show up at my events and you never, they don't have a letter they're identifying with, right? But they're given to greed. And we overlook some of those sins sometimes, like, like they, as, as if only sexual things are a big deal. And that's not, no, that's a big deal. People go to hell for that kind of thing, guys. But they're sitting there too, and they're feeling welcome and love because they are, and they're told a better message, that your real identity is not found in how much money you got in the bank. It's found in Jesus Christ and in his love for you. I also make everybody feel welcome at our events because I agree with the catechism of the Catholic Church that people who identify as LGBT should be experiencing, quote, acceptance, respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Those are the words that the Catechism uses in our pastoral treatment of people who are same-sex attracted. Now, if all the pride flag meant is that we should treat people with acceptance, respect, compassion, and sensitivity, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church so clearly says, then I would fly the pride flag on my shell. Guys, if, if you think that's all it means, you maybe haven't been around for the past 20 years. It's come to mean a little bit more than that. And in just a minute, I'll tell you why. But first, guys, 
This is spun so out of control. I have a relative in Los Angeles who sent her uh, eight or nine-year-old daughter to school, public school in LA. The teacher sat kids in a circle where each kid had to share what their sexual attraction was and how they identify. And this little girl had never even heard of this stuff before and said, I, I guess I'm straight. And all the other girls in her class said, no, no, you have to be bi. Everybody's bi now. We've gone a little further than just treating people with acceptance, respect, and compassion and sensitivity. This has got to full-blown promotion and alienating people who don't agree with this movement to the point where this mom rightly felt afraid to complain to the school board because she didn't have the, the bandwidth to make it her full-time job to fight the school board when they start accusing her of being bigoted and hateful. So here's where the, the secular pride movement veers in a radically different direction that's incompatible with church teaching, and it's this that the foundation of the pride movement is the idea that sexual attraction equals identity. That I'm not same-sex attracted, this is who I am. This is not an attraction I have, this is who I am. I'm a different type of person. For instance, you could be Chinese or black or homosexual. It's a type of person. And this is an expression of a lie that pre-exists the pride movement. It's a lie of the sexual revolution that human beings are primarily sexual beings. Therefore, what logically would flow from that is the idea that any guardrails you place on people expressing their desires in action is unimaginably cruel. Think about it. Now, that makes sense. If they're right that sexual attraction is identity, then to tell a person who is interested in Jesus and who is same-sex attracted that, you know, no, no, there's particular guidelines on your sexual attractions and how you're to live them out the boundaries that everybody lives when it comes to following Jesus follows natural law, divine law, the stuff in the Bible, the stuff written on our body, that this is about the total self-gift of a husband and wife, male and female, ordered toward the procreation of children and the union of the marriage. Um, any guidelines like that, guys? If the lie is right that the identity is, is formed by attraction, then those guidelines would be unimaginably cruel. It'd be as cruel as telling a cow it can't moo or eat grass. It'd, it'd be torture. And because the pride movement is founded on that idea, you notice how there's not a lot of tolerance going the other direction as this gets mainstream? Because I, I, I meet Catholic young adults who are, are afraid to tell people that they work for, that they're Catholic. I have met, Catholic, I met a Catholic young adult recently who works for a company that has nothing to do with any of this stuff, and they, they told her, you are to wear a pride uh, pin, and she didn't want to. And, and they're constantly grilling her. The HR department's grilling her, why, why, why? I've met Catholics who are in college who won't tell people that they're Catholics because they feel so alienated that they're not going along with this ideology. But here's the thing. If the gay movement is right, if the pride movement is right, that that is identity, uh, well, this naturally follows. Guys, if you're bigoted and you hate all black people, I'm sorry, you should lose your job if you're going to be talking about that in the workplace. You shouldn't be allowed to have a, a, a regular job where you're standing behind a counter saying, I hate black people. No, you shouldn't. I'm not going to have compassion on the racist who loses his job for that. And this is how society, because it's associated the LGBT with identity, uh, has come to treat Christians who think we should live within certain moral parameters with our sexual ethics. That clash is why you're not seeing a pride flag on this show. Because guys, the love of Jesus Christ demands that we not surrender that ground.
we know that identity is not found in sexual attraction, but something infinitely better. And again, you come to my events, I'm not talking all about this, I'm just talking about his love for you and the hope that wherever you're coming from, whether it's a sexual thing that you're dealing with or it's greed you're dealing with, wherever you're coming from, you're gonna come and find the place that we find our true liberation and identity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Did I say enough there, Chad? Yeah, you did very well. There, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I'm so glad you're with me. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. How long have we known each other? It's been we, a while. Seven years, I think. Okay, so yeah. Chad, Chad jumped into our office seven years ago as an intern and was helping us at Real Life Catholic. That's right. And you're an amazing man of God. Okay, I'm going to give you a little, little blurb here. Yeah, go Chad for it. is a not only previous intern at Real Life Catholic, but even more than that, even more, a leadership coach who specializes in Catholic singles coaching. The host of the Catholic Single and Flourishing podcast is that, that if they just Google Catholic Single and Flourishing Chad Etzel, you'll yep. find his podcast uh, that helps single Catholics live a vocation today while preparing for their permanent vocation in the future. And you can check out everything he offers at CSF, like Frank, coaching.com. So, in addition to the podcast, you're actually coaching people one on one. Before we, we jump into what uh, Catholic singles coaching is, what it consists of, why people need it. First, coaching in general. Uh, what is it? Some people think of coaching and they think, okay, so I got a friend who became a life coach. That means that they started getting a degree in counseling, but they didn't feel like finishing it. And they became a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> or they're sp they'd like to be spiritual directors, but they're not that holy. So they went to life coaching, right? Yes, and I, I think that there's some associations there, and there's yeah. definitely some crossover yeah, what's there. The, what's the difference? I, well, I even think about it, too. A lot of people, when they think of coaching, they're thinking about athletics coaching, and that's mm. really where a lot of my background has been. It's the coaches are giving instruction to the athletes, but it goes beyond that. It's not so much advice giving, but it's helping somebody to introspect. What is their mindset? What are the strategies that they're applying in terms of trying to get to a, a goal that they're trying to achieve? And so bringing up counseling or therapy, bringing up spiritual direction, there's definitely some crossover there. But when you look at therapy, for instance, what they're doing is they're trying to address some sort of healing or some sort of wound or past trauma. Mm -hmm. Whereas coaching, what you're doing is you, it's more focused on a goal. So the example that I like to use, it's like, Counseling and therapy helps somebody move from some sort of dysfunction in their, in their life to functional. And coaching helps somebody move from functional to optimal. So mm. in the sense of, to give an example, confidence. Somebody's confidence might be shot and it might be rooted in a wound. And that's where they would go to something like therapy. Or maybe there's some sort of spiritual movements that are coming up in their prayer life and they want to go to a spiritual director and address it in spiritual direction. But when it comes to coaching, a lot of times it may not be a wound that, that's beyond my training, but it's more of a situational thing that maybe they feel a lack of confidence with the other sex, for instance. Mm -hmm. and, and that's more of the domain that coaches work in is, all right, you're already functional, but how do we move you from functional to optimal according to your, your goals and what you want in life? From healed to absolutely crushing it and kicking butt. Yes, exactly. How do I get to be that guy? Exactly. Um, how do coaches command so much money? Now, you're not at this level quite yet, but you will be because yeah. you're awesome. No, but no, I, I actually know a guy who does coaching, and uh, I think they charge, what is it, 25 grand for a session? Mm-hmm. 
You know, uh, Tony Robbins would be the like one of yeah, the most like renowned a, life coach guru types. Though he says he, I'm not your guru. Yeah, he does like a million dollars a year it's, with his clients. No, no, it's a million dollars nothing, a session. It's crazy. Yeah, okay. A yeah, million yeah, yeah. a session. Yeah, it's something crazy uh, like but no, that. No, I, I, that's, that's wild. But um, you know, how, how, the, the, this, whole, this whole vein, like how does it command that kind of money? And like the better known you are as a coach, you could be a renowned counselor, mm-hmm. a psychotherapist, and you're still going to get what insurance covers. Yes. Right? Right. Whereas coaches, it's like, which just blows the lid off that. Uh, why? 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 Why is it? Some people will be watching, wondering, like, why is coaching worth 150 bucks for my for the hour? Like, what? What? What am I getting? What? What issue you? Scr- you know, like, how, how do you? How the, did that, How did that happen in coaching? The The main thing is one word in particular. It's investment. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, just think about our education system, for instance. The reason people go to school is because they see it as a valuable investment hopefully, and that it will pay off in the future, that it will impact their, their income, it will impact their lives in the long term. Coaching's similar in that, that sense okay. where it's, it's an investment, yeah. but in particular, it's not so much an investment in something tangible like a house, but it's an investment in you, which is the most important thing that you mm-hmm. can invest in. So it's what, what I think about, and I, I use this a lot with my clients, especially as they're kind of thinking about hiring me as a coach, is this whole idea of, all right, how much did you spend on your college education for something that was just kind of a general, you sign up for the classes, you do the classes, and then all the exams and everything. It's not necessarily tailored to you, but coaching is much more specific to you. And when you're in a one-on-one setting, especially you're able to dig into what are the challenges that you're running into Mm -hmm. and what are the obstacles, what are the strategies that apply specifically to you? How has this emerged as a career uh, and, and as a science, really, right? Like, where do you go to get trained to be a, a, a coach? Uh, you know, for counseling, there's, there's, there's different philosophers and counselors that it's, it's over the years, it's in a, in a body of research that's churned out a, a science that you can get degrees in, right? Uh, do, you, do you see coaching reaching that level someday? Or, or right now, is there like an official body of, of uh, you know, the coaches that you join and gives you a rubber yeah. stamp? Well, so counseling and therapy, it's much more regulated because you're dealing with people's trauma and people's wounds. Coaching is not as regulated because it's more broad and expansive. A lot of people go to to be coaches and train as coaches for maybe doing business coaching or leadership coaching, where that's where a lot of my background starts. But there's different programs out there. And with these, these programs, they are, they're not like as deep or as long as master's degrees. There may be a few coaching programs that are like that. Okay. There may be some master's degree programs where you can get a master's in coaching, but usually people do coaching certifications. So my program, for instance, it was 160 hours of both the classroom training and then also one-on-one practice with peers and mentors. So you're actually getting hands-on training. It's not just sitting in lecture, mm. but you're getting practice reps for being able to do coaching with others. Wow. So it's much is very in-depth and it's over the course of six to nine months or, or even longer. And so it's like taking a couple of semesters of grad school. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did one session with me and it was really, really good. So yeah. thanks for that. Absolutely. Um, but you, you, one of the things that popped out when, when we were doing that session, um, yeah, I've sat down with spiritual directors, sat down with counselors. Coaching is it, a very different experience. Uh, it's getting the person you're coaching to identify their self-limiting thoughts. Yes. Right? Exactly. That's a huge foundational piece of coaching. 
and, and I, frankly, I think it should be adapted more in, in spiritual life, and I, and I, I, I do in my ministry. Uh, but talk about that a minute, because I think a lot of people live with that and have never even heard the phrase right. before. Right, and so there's, there's limiting thoughts, limiting beliefs that we all have, and they all come from different places. And the, there's different, they, they affect us in, in different ways, but a lot of times there's that limitation that holds us back. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I, I talk about dating on a regular basis, and if I get rejected in, you know, I get turned down asking a woman out on a date, there could be something that I, I react, I think about the situation, I immediately start telling myself a story about the situation. Mm -hmm. The story can be empowering or disempowering. Mm -hmm. And it could be disempowering where I'm saying something to myself of, oh, there's something wrong with me. And what coaching does is it really helps focus in on the mindset. It pulls out the thoughts. What are those limiting beliefs? Because if I'm thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me, then I begin to get into a kind of battle with myself. Mm. And down the road, I'm less likely to ask another woman out because I'm struggling with these confidence issues. Mm. So that's really what coaching does is it draws out the disempowering thoughts. And we change that thought of there's something wrong with me to something more empowering of like, I don't know. There's something wrong with her. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, that's that's not what we not what we encourage. But more empowering yeah. of okay, this is what's God trying to tell you in yeah. this. And from that, it's like okay, well, this is just one more step that God is taking me in in my vocation. He's helping wow. me take one more step further. He's helping me grow in virtue. And maybe for her, she's just in a, a difficult place right now, and he just wanted her to be affirmed and tell her that she was worth pursuing, wow. and that was through me. I'll tell you, that false narrative, once it gets in there, it's a cancer. Yes. It'll kill you. Right. It'll right. kill your, your happiness, your ability to live the life you're made to live. Exactly. And, and it's those thoughts then, they impact our emotions. They impact how we feel about ourselves, how we experience the world, which then impacts how we behave. Uh -huh. Because if, I'm, if I have more empowering thoughts of, okay, this is one more step of God calling me to virtue, mm -hmm. then I'm going to be in a much better place to asking the next woman out than in that first example of that disempowering belief of there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Wow. I love the scripture, God comforts us in our afflictions so we can comfort others with the same comfort we receive from Him. Mm -hmm. All right, that's, uh, yes. that's Corinthians, I think. I think it's 2 Corinthians. It's, it's in there somewhere, trust me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I hear you talking. I, I think this, this, this is coming from your expertise as a coach, but also from your personal experience. Exactly. And pains and things you've struggled with. Yep. Uh, and so you've developed specific coaching for singles. Yes. And uh, you're, you're probably the only guy doing this. Who else? Is, like, there's specialties with coaching. You got yeah. specialties with business, with uh, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. With leadership. Who else is coaching specifically two singles for living a thriving single life that possibly ends in, in marriage or happiness, either way? Right? Yeah. Uh, is anybody is anybody else doing this? Well, so I, I'm sure on a secular level, there's there's many different people out there. I know I recently connected with it's called the Intentional Single, and there's two women who work specifically with women. But there, there hasn't really been somebody filling the, the men's side, and I think that's really, a lot of my clientele awesome. tends to be men. I'm okay. certainly open to working with women and yeah. groups of women. But the, uh, aside from that, it tends to be, hey, here's a dating app, and, or here's, right. here's a dating website, or let me set you up with my friend, and that kind of becomes the solution, which is, it's part of coaching. Coaching isn't simply just mindset you know, have positive thoughts, but there's a strategy that comes with it as well. And I do think that th that is very important to talk strategy. But first we gotta start with our, our mindset before we can take empowering action. Mm. 
And if, you're, if your mindset is, uh, I'm not good enough unless someone's dating me and I've failed because people have broken up with me, so therefore I'm going to, abs to, to, to prove myself to my dad or fix myself, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're setting yep. yourself up for total failure. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so csfcoaching.com, mm -hmm. not only to get Chad to coach you, but also, ladies, if you're single, there's a contact form on there and it's totally appropriate to say, I'm not interested in coaching, but Chad, <laughs> take me out for a glass of wine. He lives in Denver, you come to Denver. You're sorry. putting me on the spot here. I'm like... sorry, man, this is awful. He's like, I will never do the Chris Stefanik show ever again. Uh, other than awkward moments created by their married friends, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges Catholic singles face today? One of the things that I did when I got started was yeah. I actually did a couple of research groups where I pulled some men and women together as a group and then also had a, a group of men, group of women, and asked some questions about how do they feel about their vocation and what was consistent, and it surprised me. I mean, it, some of the things that you would expect, like loneliness or anxiety, came up, but without fail, one word came up, and that was pressure. Mm. And it was pressure in a number of different ways, but it was, whether it was self-induced and in that, but or just somebody was putting pressure on them, like their family, that word came up mm. as pressure. So that's one of the challenges that I think a lot of us are facing. And I, I think about my own, life and my own story. I think I was four by the last, by, by the time my last aunt was actually married and then everybody in my family was married. I didn't have an example of anybody who was single regularly in my life. Wow. So I'm growing up where, all right, life is going to lead towards marriage. So there's this environment alongside of me growing up and seeing a lot of my peers getting married off, especially after their college years. Yeah. And so these groups of singles being in their late 20s and early 30s that I was interviewing, a lot of them were mentioning that pressure and I think it comes from all these different sources. I don't think anybody's to blame necessarily, yeah. but this is just an environment and especially when it comes to, you go to a Catholic conference and the talks are about chastity, the talks are about dating and it's, okay, yeah, you know, marry young and have a lot of kids and mm. many of us are open to that, yeah. but just haven't been able to have the, the opportunity for whatever reason or, or not. So I, I think pressure is one big thing. And then mm. also another thing that I've, I learned as I was doing research, I think a lot of singles really want to be married, but deeper down, I think a lot of us want to experience purpose. We want to know what the purpose or call God has for us. Mm. The, the reason I, I say that is because I think we, we look at marriage, those of us who are single, and we think, okay, it's been repeated over and over that man finds himself only through sincere gift of self. Yeah. And the tangible gift of self that I really feel God called to. John Paul II's mm -hmm. favorite Vatican II that's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And the, the thing that I, I feel most called to is marriage. And marriage is so tangible because there's another person, mm -hmm. there's kids mm -hmm. that you can give, give of yourself to. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to, to start telling yourself that story of, well, life is only going to begin once I get married. Mm -hmm. So going to that, the, the other challenge is, well, how do you as a single person live God's call today? How do you live God's purpose for you today? But also not neglect a strategy or a path forward to marriage. So those are, those are two of the challenges that I've, I've really observed and experienced myself is pressure and then also kind of maybe a illusion of uh, marriage being my purpose in life. Mm, which would be the biggest joy thief ever. Yes. 
That's right. right. And which also would make you not as attractive to a date mm -hmm. because you're living joyless and desperate for the date. Exactly. To fulfill who you are at your core. Dang, it's a big domino effect. Mm -hmm. uh, so you talk people through this stuff. Yeah. You help them approach dating in the right way, in a way that um, is helping them find joy now. Yes. Wow. Uh, okay, so as, as a married guy, you know, I have, I have a lot of singles in, in my life. And you, I, I hear you give the advice of um, the pressure being a problem. It's hard for me to know how to be sometimes because I, I want to help. Mm -hmm. I want to help connect people. I have we have parties at our house sometimes. We invite a lot of young adults just kind of watch or just to say, <laughs> "Hey, go talk to her. Hey, go talk to him." Right? Uh, how do we how do we help in a way that's not putting undue pressure or, or taking away the joy or sending the wrong message? How, how do we actually be helpful? Yes. Because I know a lot of the people who watch this show are married and, and have a lot of singles in their lives. Exactly. What do we do? But then there's also the I'm sorry. There's also the positive pressure too because as you talk about yeah. pressure, I'm thinking. Well, there's some dudes who are probably watching my show. It's 2 in the afternoon, and they're eating Cheetos and playing video games. And they might <laughs> want to feel That's some right. pressure to ask somebody on a date. That's right. You know, like some of the guys, the girls are like, dude, someone ask me. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's the healthy pressure and unhealthy pressure. So I'm throwing a lot at you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Distinguish yeah. those two and then give me advice as a married guy for how to, how to be part of this in the right way, how to put right. the right kind of pressure on. Right, so I, I think with the, the first one of the healthy pressure, there... There's, I, I think this is something for single people, first of all, is yeah. to do that examine of what areas am I growing in virtue or not growing in virtue? What areas do I really feel like God is calling me to, to grow in? So like video games, for instance, I, I think that's got to start in an authentic personal introspection, personal prayer life of God, how are you calling me to grow? And, and just getting that ball rolling because over time, praying 20, 30 minutes a day, God's going to start working and God's going to start asking us to, to make mm -hmm. those changes. So I think it's, it's got to start there. But as, as I think about married people who see, see the pain and the angst of the, the singles that they're, they're experiencing these sorts of things and they, they want to find their spouse, yeah. first thing for you is just pray. I, I know that that's a kind of a cliche thing, yeah, but no, I think no. that's that's yeah. got to be that's got to be that is number one. Pray. If God is real, it's actually mm -hmm. helpful. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, and right. and even in inviting people to, okay, you could mentor somebody. Hey, I I love to love to talk more, especially yeah. men and and men and women and women having that sort of mentorship. Maybe even if it's an informal mm. thing of inviting them into into something like that. But I I one of the things that I think is very helpful as you build a relationship with somebody, as a, a married man, is learning to ask more questions instead of giving advice mm -hmm. or giving direction. Because You should do that. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And a big, big part of that is, uh, that comes from coaching, and I've been trained in this, where a lot of what coaching is very similar to counseling or spiritual direction, where I don't talk a lot, or my goal isn't to talk a lot, it's simply to listen and ask empowering questions. Mm. So rephrasing what people are saying, hearing maybe what they're not saying because they go to a deeper level of understanding and then being able to ask questions. So I think for your audience, those people who are married is being able to, to listen, try to help somebody have a deeper understanding of their, their themselves and their situation mm. and then being able to ask questions as opposed to giving advice because what I've found is that oftentimes advice answers the wrong problem. Because it's like, hey, you should get out there more. You should make yourself available mm -hmm. more. Well, maybe that's not the issue. Maybe the issue is mm -hmm. self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And that, that, I think, is just what do you, even a question that's, 
hey, what do you think the real challenge is here for you? That's great. That allows them to put it out, and then you can be able to say, oh, well, this helped for me thinking about it this way. What do you think of that? Yeah. So then you're still asking them questions. You're just simply offering, but it's not a directive of you're trying to, you're undercutting them in their decision making. Yeah. And then I think another thing that I, I would add into this in terms of, of married people, if you do want to set somebody up, one of the things that I, I recommend, and I it's ask, a favorite thing I, to do I ask my, yeah. <laughs> I ask my friends, it's typically I ask for, it's like a hinge worth of, of uh, information, where hinge is a, a dating app just because most of the married people don't know that. It's not Tinder, so it's not like the hookup app. I, I think what it does is it allows for six pictures and then three prompts. So basically, you're just getting an idea of, hey, what's the person's typical Sunday? And okay. what is what is this person's likes or dislikes, and then here's a few photos. So if you have somebody in mind for somebody, then it's like, hey, here's here's a few photos. Okay. That Help way, them out. They, yeah. Provide and more information. Give them yeah. give them the space even to be okay. like, let me think about this, and then then yeah, ha, ha, allow them to say, you know what? Yeah, I think I could give her a call or do the same thing for her. Pass right, along right. my information. See what see what she says. I, I mm -hmm. love how you're framing this whole thing, though. Uh, that this is all just part of the journey of becoming who we are. You know, yes. like, and when you when you start with asking those questions, um, you know, what's you're, you're identifying how this person is limiting themselves. Yes. Maybe they're not asking the girl out because they just don't believe in themselves, and and, and start there. Don't start with let me hook you up with a blind date. Yeah. Uh, because. <sighs> People discover this when they get married. You, you, you think your spouse is the, you have arrived, or it's your healing, and it's like, no, it's, it's how the God's diagnosing your illnesses. He's not, mm -hmm. This is not your healing. Yep. In some ways it is, right? But in other ways, it's, it's, um, it's the biggest challenge. Uh, but it's all part of the one journey of becoming and of being in the ultimate love story. Right? That's uh, he's, right. He's the one that dreamt this whole journey up, whether you're in the dating phase or the seeking phase or the married phase, and it's all about getting to heaven. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, and I, 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 so I don't really know how people find peace with that without that context of that love story and that journey of faith, really. So yeah. I'm glad you're un unapologetically uh, fusing faith with this journey, right? Yep, Because the, pa the pain is real, too, mm -hmm. right? There's a, I, I, I kind of think of it as a modern-day martyrdom. Um, if, the, if society were healthy, there's a lot of single people who would not be single right now. Yes. Who wouldn't have to be grappling with this, right? Uh, but society's not healthy, it's sick. I mean, marriage isn't even something people value anymore. Right. right? Um, but you got to find happiness right right now in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think about this too. It's kind of painting the vision of marriage, which has been torn down into our in, in our culture in a way where it's about adults and their feelings. Yeah. That's what it's been reduced to, as opposed to this thing where you die to yourself and you give of yourself <laughs> for. Yeah your spouse and your kids. Right. And that is ultimately, going back to John Paul II, how he quotes Vatican II, that man can only find himself through sincere gift of self. Our yeah. culture has been telling us that fulfillment comes with the you getting what you want. And marriage mm. is just kind of in the mix there. But instead it needs to be turned around and we need to, we need to put this together in a way where marriage is seen as something desirable in, in the authentic vision of marriage of this self-giving, self-sacrificial love. And you're a fulfilled dude as a single guy called to marriage because you're, you're actively giving yourself right now. Yeah. You're turning the, your own pain and struggles in this area, combined with your expertise, into a, a self-gift. Yeah. And uh, that, that you exude that, just so you know. You have that, no, that thank blessing, you. confidence, that light. So 
I'm uh, yeah, I'm stoked to to highlight that in the show today. I, I appreciate yeah. that, and that that's been something that I know that I've needed to to grow in over time. It's something that it's it's still a step by step process, and. Yeah. The, the goal that I really wanted to, to have here was, as you said at the beginning, help people live their vocation, their God-inspired mm -hmm. call today. So like a little V vocation on the way to their permanent vocation. And, and I think some, sometimes we compromise one for the other, mm -hmm. where we just say, okay, just pray and let God make it happen. Mm -hmm. As opposed to we can have mindset and strategy changes to be able to on, be on that path. Beautiful. Or we just focus on just okay i'm going to run after this in a healthy unhealthy way of my happiness is based on me finding that spouse yeah. and then i neglect my prayer life or i neglect today to the the day in and day out of today amen amen okay where do you send people so in addition to csfcoaching.com yep. both for uh um, request for chad to take you out for a glass of wine and sorry. <laughs> i'm just i'm saying i'm just kidding but i'm not fully kidding and <laughs> And for coaching. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, where do you send, send Catholic Singles for great resources? So and, there, and your podcast. There's that, that website. And on that website, what you can find is a couple of resources. Number one is the if you want the full coaching program, you can connect with me there. It's my signature program, the Catholic Single and Flourishing program. And that way, it's more of a in-depth dive into 10 sessions of, hey, this is where I am right now help coach me to where I want to be. Mm. And then there's also a 90-minute strategy session as well. So if you just want a one 90-minute one strategy session, there's a way to set that up. Awesome. And then th I also have a free ebook that I wrote and Killer. just for exchange for an email. Oh, that's and great. that is about overcoming the cycle of pressure and inaction. And it's not just a book where you read it, but there's exercises within it to help do what kind of what we talked about, examine our thoughts, examine our emotions and Fantastic. how that's impacting the, the steps that we are taking or not taking going forward. So that ebook is available on that website. And then of course the podcast, we're getting ready to, to launch a new season and it's going to be Catholic single and flourishing. Once again, I just felt like that this, it started as a leadership coaching podcast. So if you go back, Chris, Chris was on the podcast. Yeah, and yeah. That it was a blast. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, that, there's an episode there, so you can check that out, certainly. But the, so it started as leadership, but then moved into Catholic single and flourishing because there was a lot of traction that, that got with that particular audience. So that's why I started directing my coaching in, in that way. Beautiful. Brother, thank you yeah. so much for all you're doing, and thanks Absolutely. for being with us. Hey, I love you guys. Thank you for watching. See you next time. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.